Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and I am here once again to talk to you about the week's worth of wrestling action as it pertains to NXT and AEW. Now, there wasn't a whole lot going on this week in regards to news. Uh, what do I mean? Well, there's no quick hits this week because there wasn't really anything big going on because we're getting set up for uh, AEW's next pay-per-view. We are getting set up for uh, the Saudi Arabia pay-per-view, which I'll touch upon a little bit later on uh, in the show, uh, and that is the Elimination Chamber. Uh, we're getting ready for NXT's next big show, which is um, uh, Vengeance Day, I believe it's called. Um, so there's a lot going on next week, but this week, as far as news and rumors and everything else is pertained, we are pretty much in a holding pattern, but that's okay because we still got some incredible wrestling action to go ahead and speak about. So what I want you to do is sit back, relax, pop open your favorite frosty beverage. I don't have one this week, strictly because I'm out of beer. Um, and listen as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And we go into our first show, which is WWE NXT 2.0. And opening our show this week is... Mandy Rose, the NXT Women's Champion, and uh, she did a really good promo here. She has improved on the mic and in the ring since returning back to NXT. She says tonight she will successfully defend her title against Kaylee Ray and make her pay for what she put her through last week. We then go to the ring for a very hard-hitting opening matchup. It is the grizzled young veterans, Drake and Gibson, taking on the Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus. Uh, the opening star, opener started as a fight here, turned into a great wrestling match, and then became a game of one-upmanship. The Creeds remind me of a varsity club uh, in that, like a Rick, Rick Steiner and uh, Mike Rotundo, uh, very old-school style. And Gibson and Drake seem like a more hard-hitting, little bit quicker Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And that's not putting down any of these teams that I just mentioned. They all, these two teams have a lot of great qualities here. Both teams put on one hell of a fight, but the Creed's got the win. Great match. Love the Creed's transition here as they just debuted just a couple of months ago, and they're already being put on the fast track because they do got some skill, and they deserve it. We then see highlights of Raquel Gonzalez versus Cora Jade from last week. Jade continued to impress, and in my opinion, Raquel Gonzalez deserves to be on the main roster. It's not a put-down. I know we all say that the main roster is a kiss of death, but she has got a lot of raw power that I think, if given the right time and motivation on the main roster, could be put into being a true star, just like they're doing with Rhea Ripley. Um, we then find out that Gonzalez and Jade will be teaming up in the Women's Dusty Classic, and uh, Jade is about to do an interview, but she gets... Interrupted by that Brazilian dance uh, duo that have just debuted. I called them the Te Conte Twins because they're Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists and they dance, and that's what it seems like WWE was trying to do here. But they are promptly scared off by Raquel. In my opinion, too much time wasted with the backstage uh, vignette here and everything going on. We really didn't need this promo. We could have just gotten the uh, look back at last week and found out that Raquel and Jade were going to be teaming. That... Brazilian dance duo don't really need to be put in the spotlight because nobody knows who they are yet. 
You know, it's just not working whenever they're allowing them to talk. We then go up to the ring for Wendy Cho taking on Tiffany Stratton. And this was more of a comedy match, but Wendy and Tiffany showed some serious skill here. I have to, you know, I have to be honest. I didn't expect it since neither of them have done anything up until now. But this was actually really good. Stratton got the win, and I'm wondering if their feud continues um, or not, because I'm kind of hoping it does. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's like that equal balance of comedy that we got from Ellie Knight and um, and um, Cameron Grimes. The equal balance of comedy and hard hitting action. Uh, it's worth it to give get a watch, and you're enjoying what you're seeing, but also laughing at it a bit too. Uh, we then get uh, pre-recorded comments from last week with NXT's newcomer, uh, Anthony Draco, and he is approached by Joe Gacy and offered to come and join Gacy and uh, Harland. Is Gacy building a cult here? Are we seeing a little throwback to the um, Wyatt family? And is Gacy the new Bray Wyatt? Sure hope he doesn't get the same treatment. Pete Dunne then challenges Tony D'Angelo to a weaponized cage match next week. Uh, this may be really good or really bad. And then he and Draco exchange um, pleasantries in uh, lieu of their next matchup that they're going to be having in a couple of minutes. Uh, then we go to Pete Dunne and Draco in the ring. And uh, Draco actually kept pace with Pete Dunne here. It was a very good uh, back-and-forth matchup. Um, he had a couple of nice suplexes, uh, but then he got distracted by Gacy and Harlan up on the stage. This allowed Dunne to take control. Tony D'Angelo tried to interfere, but Dunn finished his match and got the win over Anthony Draco. Good outing here, though, for Anthony, uh, and a good match uh, as well. Post-match, Dunn brings a ton of weapons into the ring and once again challenges Tony to a weaponized cage match. Tony finally accepts, and this will happen next week at Vengeance. Um, you know, I know I've crapped on Tony D'Angelo and Grayson Waller. And a lot of these new guys that have popped up, but, um, you know, but then I have the ones that I like, Joe Gacy, Ron Breaker, uh, you know, uh, a plethora of other newcomers who have come in to NXT 2.0. Tony D'Angelo is one of the ones that has made me go back on my word because he is actually very serious in the ring. Yes, he is a stupid gimmick. Yes, he is a throwback to the old mafioso Italian ways. You know, it's like WWE watched the Sopranos movie. Uh, all the saints of uh, Newark, and decided, hey, we need a Sopranos-like character on our show. And they decided to put together Tony D'Angelo. But whatever the case, I think he and Pete Dunne are going to bring down the house in that weaponized cage match next week. Just got to wait and see, though. Backstage, Zoe Stark continues to beg Io Shirai to get a new partner for the women's Dusty, and she finally agrees. But she will not tell Zoe who her partner is or who she's picking. How long is Zoe out for? Again, another... Useless five, six-minute backstage promo that could have been done in two and just, you know, set it up for later on. Uh, we then get LA Knight versus the bodyguard of Grayson Waller, Sunga. Sunga is dressed like Bray, like Braun Strowman here. A uh, little weird. And uh, he took it to LA Knight the entire match. The big man definitely playing his part well. Walling got involved, caused a distraction, and cost Sunga the match, though. Because when he tried to get involved and get on the apron, uh, Knight turned it around, hit his finisher, and got the win over the big man. Then got in a couple of shots on Walling uh, after the match. We then go to Duke Hudson 
cuts an incoherent promo, well, about absolutely nothing. Uh, he basically says he's going to fight everyone. Uh, a lot of waste of time here with unneeded backstage segments, in my opinion. Wade Barrett holds an interview between Santos Escobar and Braun Breaker before their title match at Vengeance Day. Breaker wants to fight, and Escobar just wants to run down Braun. Uh, Dolph Ziggler all of a sudden interrupts because apparently him and Breaker have been having their problems on Twitter. Um, Ziggler carries on for what seems like forever before being interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa says that before Ziggler even gets his hands on Breaker, Tommaso wants his rematch. So everybody is waiting to see who the winner of Escobar versus Braun is at Vengeance Day, and then they're going to try and lay their claim to the next shot. Um, Tommaso then lays out Ziggler with a big boot. Legado del Fantasma begin to beat down Braun Breaker and put him through a table. It was a decent segment that was kind of turning into a clusterfuck up until the ending. Um, I'm really interested to see Escobar and Breaker, though, at Vengeance Day. I think that is going to be one hell of a world title matchup for NXT, and I think it's going to really help us to finally put NXT 2.0 in the proper place that it needs to be to be taken seriously um, after what happened with the whole black and gold brand and finally switching things over. Uh, Soraya then takes on Dakota Kai. Uh, so we have the new and improved Soraya Harry Potter versus Dakota, Dakota Kai, who looks like Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Uh, decent match, a little slow, and you can see that they were trying to keep on cue with one another. Soraya got the win. Not the best, but not the worst. Uh, we get a vignette from Carmelo Hayes in a barbershop. Hayes is putting himself over. Says that he is ready for Cameron Grimes and all that he has. Uh, to bring, whether uh, he is or not, this is going to be, and what, whether Gr uh, Carmelo Hayes is or not, it's going to be a hell of a match between these two youngsters, is what I was trying to say there, folks. You've got Cameron Grimes, who has put on one hell of a match with LA Knight, with uh, Duke Hudson. You've got Carmelo Hayes, since two popped in, I have put my stamp on it, said that he is the future of NXT. So I think both of these guys are going to do an incredible job. Uh, at Vengeance Day. Parada and Indy brawl with Toxic Attraction backstage. This should be a great tag team match next week. I'm putting my money on uh, Gigi and JC, though. MSK and Blade and N4 are now out for our semi-main event, which is the second Dusty Cup Classic Tag Match semifinals. And this was a different than our opener. A little slower than the high-flying uh, teams that we had in the ring and what I was, you know, actually hoping for. N4 and Blade showed a lot of skill and can be a great tag team in the future, but MSK is the now. Carter and Lee fought back, hit their top rope double-team blockbuster, and got the win. Next week, it is MSK versus the Creed Brothers in the finals of the Dusty Classic. And in my opinion, you could not have picked two better tag teams to be in the Dusty Cup Classic this year in the finals. You've got last year's winners, MSK, who are still kind of in the old black and gold brand roster. They're a couple of the people that were left after they renovated the whole show. And then you've got the Creed Brothers, who debuted during the 2.0 era and are still coming up. So you've got black and gold versus 2.0. It's going to mesh well, and it should be a hell of a tag team matchup. Vignette from Cameron Grimes, and he says he's been coming up through the ranks. He's made himself a self-made millionaire, 
and that he will do whatever it takes and give up whatever he has to in order to become a champion. I believe him here, folks. If you have not seen Cameron Grimes wrestle, whether it was in TNA or now in WWE and NXT, this kid puts his heart on the line every night. The absolute passion he puts into his wrestling and the moves that he can pull, pull off is unbelievable. Cameron Grimes should be, and I believe will be, a champion very soon in the WWE. And we then come to our main event for NXT 2.0. It is Mandy Rose defending the NXT Women's title against Kylie Ray. Uh, very good match. Continued to tell the story we already know, but progressed it also. Ray's chops look hard as fuck, and Rose has got the heel roll down. She runs for a second, then pounces on her opponent. Ray had the match won, but Gigi and JC helped Rose get the win, and it is the end of our main event. <laughs> Post-match Toxic Attraction had Ray's bat and were about to take her out, but Io Shirai made the save for Kaylee, and they send Toxic Attraction running. And I guess we know who Io's picked for her Dusty Classic partner. It is Kaylee Ray. I'm giving this one a 3.0 out of 5. Uh, basically a 3 out of 5 here. Folks, it, it was good. Uh, decent to good, but not great. You're going into a pay-per-view or big show next week, and you should be firing on all cylinders. The matches in the ring were, but a few of the vignettes, the promos, the backstage segments just seemed very long and pointless. Uh, you want me to buy into Vengeance Day? I'm all in for Braun Breaker. I'm all in for the Dusty Classic match, and I'm all in for the uh, North American title match. What I'm not all in for is uh, the women's matches that are coming up. I, I hope Gigi and JC win, but it just seems like they've done a, haven't done enough to pay off the rest of the um, matches and make me care. So, moving on now to um, AEW Dynamite. Uh, the opening promo with uh, the Pinnacle, MJF, and CM Punk was a nice change. We usually go to the ring, uh, but this time we get an opening promo. MJF is celebrating his win, pissing off Wardlow as well, and then PM, CM Punk comes out demanding a rematch. Uh, it was all well done here. We set up a tag team match for later on tonight between FTR, CM Punk, and whoever he can find as a partner who is not Stinger Darby Allen. If Punk wins, he gets his rematch with MJF. Backstage, Andrade finally meets Sting and Darby Allen. Both say no to uh, Andrade about joining the uh, Andrade House Hardy uh, faction, but Darby says he will be the next TNT champion. Andrade says, well, that's funny because he plans on being the next TNT champion, and that must mean that Darby's going to try to take the title from him. Not liking this storyline here, but it's still new, so I guess we have to wait and see where it goes. We then go to Wardlow taking on the Blade. This was Wardlow's longest match since he's uh, been destroying people. Blade got in some offense, but Wardlow dominated he got the win with his power bombs. Wardlow will be turning soon into a face, in my opinion. Uh, and it's just a matter of when. I think it's probably going to be during the next CM Punk match. Um, once he turns, I'm kind of thinking that we're going to see Wardlow take a Kevin Nash-like turn when he was Diesel. And uh, he, uh, Shawn Michaels turned on him at the Survivor Series. Nash freaked out. And then the next day became World Heavyweight Champion. I don't expect Wardlow to become the World Heavyweight Champion but I expect a massive push in that he will be going after MJF in the pinnacle 
and doing all he can to climb up the roster as he can. We see a pre-recorded vignette for Pentagon, and in it, Alex uh, Abrahenta says a new Pentagon was born after Malachi Black blinded Pentagon with his miss last week. Interested to see where this is going. I'm sure we all are. The inner circle meeting was not bad, but if it's leading to a heel turn for Jericho, then it's pointless. Let Jericho take some time off after that whole Eddie Kingston and 2.0 debacle. Let him return as a heel. We didn't need to split up the inner circle here. Um, but uh, I loved Santana, Ortiz, and Guevara finally speaking up. The passion that Ortiz and Santana showed here was great. And again, if it's just though leading to another Jericho face, uh, heel turn, it's all for naught. Because if it doesn't do anything to progress Santana or Ortiz, then why did we do this? You know what I mean? Get these guys a shot at the tag titles. Get them in some high-profile matches again. Let us see what they can truly do in the ring. Rapungi Vice gets attacked backstage by Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. And then just out of nowhere, Jay White makes his AEW debut and helps the Elite before walking off. Has the Bullet Club finally come through the Forbidden Door? God, I hope so. Isaiah Cassidy is now in the ring waiting for his opponent, the mystery who mystery man who we thought was the person coming through the Forbidden Door, but it turns out it was Jay White all along. Uh, and that mystery opponent for Isaiah Cassidy is Keith Lee. And all I can say is welcome to AEW, Keith Lee. You deserve to have a place that actually believes in you. Um... And let me tell you something else here, folks. I said a lot about it last week, but Vince McMahon is an idiot. This guy showed just why he is one of the best from the Indies. His strength, speed, and character showed through this entire match. That deal from out of one corner to another, the splash on the outside, the downright power that Keith Lee showed in this match was unbelievable. He gets the win and takes out both members of Private Party to celebrate. Again, welcome to AEW Keith Lee. I hope that Tony Khan and the bunch have something planned for him because it was good to see him back and good to see him doing what he does in the ring so well. We get a video package to explain that Britt Baker is the one who brought Mercedes Martinez into AEW to take out Thunder Rosa. I actually didn't know that. Uh, next week, there it will be Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes in an ODQ match, and I hope it's given time. You know, when you get to an ODQ match, you expect it to at least be given 15 to 20 minutes. And sometimes AEW microwaves these things and gives them 7 to 10. And it's just a lot of blood and gore. And I don't mind it sometimes, but when you've got a storyline brewing like you've got here with Rosa, uh, Martinez, and then Baker, who has been with Thunder Rosa since the beginning as far as storyline goes, you want it to progress and, and actually get something good out of it. We then go to the ring for FTR versus CM Punk and his surprise partner, John Moxley. Now, after last week with Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson offering Moxley to join forces, I did not expect Moxley to join CM Punk here, but hey, they actually made for a really good team. Great back and forth tag team match, FTR proving why they are one of the top teams in AEW. The Doomsday device by Punk and Moxley was incredible. The um, shatter machine from FTR on Punk was uh, out of nowhere. For 25 minutes, both teams fought it out, and then Punk finally got the win when we got a stereo uh, paradigm shift and GTS on both members of FTR, so it looks like CM Punk will get his rematch with MJF. We then get Jade versus AQA, who is one of Booker T's students. 
Uh, she's going to get a TBS title shot tonight. I don't know why I, I guess the TBS title is not done under the whole ranking system, but I guess we've got to wait and see, or they'll tell us eventually. She needs more work, though. Booker, you need to bring her back into the school. Jade was fine in the match. She is very much so improved since becoming champion. She takes things slower, and she's more devious in the ring, but AQA was just sloppy and couldn't keep up. It was like almost Jade had to slow down even more to get this girl to just, you know, get on time with her. Jade got the win, retains, and it was an okay match, but again, not Jade's fault. The Young Bucks and Adam Cole say Friday on Rampage, where Pungi Vice goes down, and the Bucks climb the ladder to once again get a title shot. <coughs> Cole says he has the plan for later on, and the Bucks remind him to let them know the next time they invite someone like Jay White to AEW. I guess Cole brought White in, Rift with the Elite, Super Click, who knows. Serena Deeb then took on a young one by the name of Arquette. Uh, this was Deeb's five-minute challenge, and to be honest with you, it was okay, but nothing special. Uh, it was to put Serena over with her new killer instinct. She got the win in four minutes, so she was under the five-minute match. But this could have been saved for Rampage. I understand they want her on a high-profile show, but in my opinion, Serena Deeb against Hiroshita was great. Now they're just pushing it by not giving her a title shot. They're just pushing it as, oh, Serena Deeb could beat anybody. Okay, well, what are we going to do about it? You know, I don't need to see her beat jobbers every week. And it was then time for our main event. Adam Page taking on Lance Archer, AEW World Heavyweight title match in a Texas death match. Uh, both men were busted open early on and bled heavily. Archer and Page traded control, but neither had a clear-cut edge. Jake the Snake tried to help, but Archer actually stopped him. Archer finished. Archer hit his finisher from the ring to the steps, and it looked absolutely deadly. But it couldn't put Page away. Page finally hit a buckshot off the back of the referee and landed through two tables with Archer. Archer could not answer the 10 count, and Adam Page is once again still your AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Absolutely great main event. Both guys put on one hell of a show. A lot of nice interference, not just, you know, run-ins for the sake of run-ins. And um, definitely a good uh, good ending to this show. Uh, Post-match, Adam Cole came out and put the belt on Paige's shoulder, tapped him on the back, and walked away. Uh, he's the number one contender, so I guess we're going to have to see. Are we going to get Cole and uh, Paige? Give it to us. Give it to us now. For AEW Dynamite, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. A lot of good, but also a, a decent amount of bad. Still very enjoyable and watchable, though. Go out of your way to go ahead and check it out. And we go to our final show of the night, AEW Rampage. The Young Bucks and Rapungi Vice tonight. The show starts off with both these guys just fighting down the ramp. Trent and Rocky got the upper hand and landed a couple of nice double-team moves. The Bucks make a comeback, but Danhausen and Arn Cassidy cause a distraction. Nick and Matt Jackson finally gain full control and hit a BTE trigger. Finally get the win. Great opening match. So you get a contrast with um, AEW Dynamite and uh, and Rampage here. Uh, Dynamite opened with a promo. Rampage opened up with a hell of a killer matchup to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Uh, I like it. It's different. Way to go, AEW. 
Post-match, Jay White hits the ring and hits Trent with a Blade Runner and walks off. White has been saying a ton in his first two uh, visits to AEW, but he hasn't uttered a word. Nicely done. Tony Schiavone then interviews Brian Anderson, and they talk about Punk and Moxley teaming on Wednesday. Danielson says it's okay because Mox will join him soon enough. Liam Moriarty inter interrupts, and he and Matt Seidel didn't like what Brian uh, comments that Brian made on uh, Dynamite last week, talking about how Matt Seidel is not leading Moriarty down the right path. Uh, this leads to a match being made for next week on Dynamite. It will be Brian Danielson taking on Liam Mori Moriarty, and this could be good because Moriarty gave Punk a hell of a match, so I don't see why he wouldn't give uh, Danielson one either. Britt Baker then took on Robin Renegade. Renegade showed some promise and had a ton of fight in her. But Baker once again proved why she's the champion. Britt hit her spinning fisherman suplex, followed up with the stomp, and got the win. Britt once again looked great in her efforts to retain her world, women's world title. Post-match, Britt was not done, but Dunderosa came out to make the save. This brought out Jamie Hayter and um, Mercedes Martinez to stop Rosa and protect Britt. But apparently, Jamie and Mercedes have a problem, and they cannot be together at the same time. So we may be in for a little rift in Britt Baker's little unit there. Nice to see a little storyline going on there as well. We then go back to the ring, and we have got Hook versus Blake Lee. And Blake Lee is QT Marshall's handpicked student to take on Hook. Uh, Lee got in one move, and it was a back elbow after QT Marshall's distraction. Hook, on the other hand, well, he hit everything. <laughs> the kid hit a suplex after suplex, followed by forearms and body shots. He put on red rum to caught the hajime, and it was over. Hook continues to grow and get over inside and outside of the ring. I know a lot of people are saying, well, it's a you know mass-produced push. The fans aren't really cheering that much for him. No, this kid is over. I've been there live. I've seen him in the ring. I've seen the fans' reactions. It is absolutely great. Backstage, Mark Henry does his final interview with the split screen between Jurassic Express and the Gun Club. Billy Gunn says his sons will make a big statement tonight when they become the AEW Tag Team Champions. Christian Interruption says Gunn finally made a statement in his career, but it only took him 20 minutes, 20 years. Uh, uh, it's now main event time. And it is Jurassic Express taking on the gun, gun Club. Austin and Colton showed a lot of determination and strength in the early going. Both of Billy's boys have a have his style down to the D. It's like watching Billy Gunn all over again in the younger part of his career. Luchasaurus made a comeback and got a nice hot tag to Jungle Boy, which allowed Jungle, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry to get control. The Guns tried to double team, but Jungle Boy avoided it. Hit a kill switch and got the win to retain the tag team titles. Great main event here and a really good addition of Rampage. I'm actually giving Rampage a 4.5 out of 5 for this one because it was my favorite out of the three shows that I watched this week. A lot of great action, very crisp and storytelling as it should be. So that is where we are at when it pertains to the world of wrestling as a whole for AEW and NXT. I'd say go out of your way to watch all three of these shows, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because there are moments in each of them that you don't want to miss if you haven't watched them already. Uh, find the clips. Find it on, on demand. Do whatever you got to do. Get a look at that Braun Breaker and Escobar uh, promo in the ring. Uh, like I said, it's starting to turn into a little bit of a clusterfuck, but it did get the, they did get the reins back and pull back on it. 
check out Page versus Archer, and check out Rampage as a whole. So, with that being said, it is finally time for our final part of the show. And that is what grinds my gears. And this week, it is Saudi Arabia pay-per-views. And you're saying, well, what, why, why do you have a problem with them? Are you like the rest of the world? You don't like it that they're being sent? You know, you're, the WWE uh, are being sent to this country that kills people for no reason or their religious beliefs or, you know, anything else that you, everyone else is saying? No. Do I not agree with Saudi Arabia's um, political beliefs, religious beliefs, and the way that they handle things? Of course I don't. I do not agree with any of it. I don't like that the WWE wrestlers got stuck there on an airplane and Vince McMahon decided to board a jet and get the hell out of there and then negotiate for them to do more Saudi pay-per-views while the talent was stuck in Saudi Arabia. I don't enjoy that, you know, these things are just thrown together and we get two weeks to plan them. But my main honest-to-God problem with them is the storytelling the downright stupidity and storytelling that we get here. For instance, Goldberg. He pops back up and decides, I want another title shot at Roman Reigns. Why? Because we're going to Saudi Arabia for Elimination Chamber. What sense does that make? So now, Roman Reigns, who just got done battling Seth Rollins, is supposed to be getting ready for Brock Lesnar, has to stop everything and get ready in a week and a half to two weeks for Bill Goldberg, who almost killed The Undertaker the last time they were in Saudi Arabia after he botched a move, who didn't look good against Braun Strowman, who looked terrible against Bobby Lashley, is getting a shot at Roman Reigns because the Saudi prince that is paying Vince McMahon millions of dollars said, I want to see Bill Goldberg. You look at the rest of the storylines, a thrown together elimination chamber match with Brock Lesnar put in it, even though he's the number one contender to the world heavyweight title. What sense does that make? Yes, AJ Styles should be in that match. Yes, Seth Rollins should be in that match. Of course, Bobby Lashley has to be in it because he's the world champion. Everyone who got into that elimination chamber match deserves their spot, except for Brock Lesnar. We threw him in there because we can't leave Brock off the pay-per-view because we want him to be wrestling, and we also want to keep the Saudi Prince happy. Another match that was rumored in the last couple of days because of what happened on SmackDown uh, last uh, Friday night is Ronda Rousey and Naomi teaming up to take on Sonya Deville and Charlotte Flair. Uh, now, the storyline between Sonya and Naomi has been going on for weeks. I think it needs to end now. I think it was thrown together for no reason. But now we're going to go ahead and throw it even more together because, well, we want to get women on pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia and get them over so that we can move the, the ugly boulder that is Saudi Arabia's stands on women's on television and being involved. That's fine and well. The only match I agree with on this whole entire card is Becky Lynch versus Lita. Becky Lynch versus Lita for the women's title on Monday Night Raw. Perfectly booked. Lita was in the Royal Rumble. She was one of the last eliminated. She still wants a shot at the title. She's going to stick around a little bit. Becky Lynch is the one that she's going to face. 
I have no problem with this whatsoever. Becky Lynch is actually not sure, though, who she's going to be fighting at Mania. So we could have got the Becky Lynch and Lita for Mania as well. We still might, but who knows? Again, though, my problem with the Saudi Arabia pay-per-views, shoddily put together, shoddily booked quickly for no reason, just so Vince McMahon can make more money. We talked about it last week. He mentioned making $1.1 billion last year and so much the year before and so much the year before. I'm glad Vince is lining his pockets because while he's lining his pockets, his fans are hating the product, his wrestlers are miserable, and the more he does it, Every wrestler walks out the goddamn door and finds a better, nicer home, either in AEW, Impact, MLW, Japan, or when they come back, possibly Ring of Honor. I don't want to go on and on about this too much and beat a dead horse because it's really not that big of a deal. Next week, I will be covering NXT Vengeance Day and a WWE Elimination Chamber from Saudi Arabia because they are pay-per-views and there is the road to WrestleMania. I will be looking at what went on on AEW, Dynamite, and Rampage in the quick hits for next week. So there won't be a full, um, you know, look at those shows as a whole, but I will do so to look at them and tell you what went on that you should be catching, anything big or anything crazy. But that's going to do it for us here tonight on If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I want to thank you for joining me once once again. I want to thank you for your support of well, We Can't Wrestle Podcast and WrestleNet Radio. And as always, I'll see you next time on If You Smell la, 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 What The Arch Is Cooking. Okay.